Thank you for joining us today on the Reach Community Church Podcast. We hope this week's message encourages and blesses you as we dive into God's Word together. Our mission at Reach is to see lives changed by Christ together in community by loving God, loving people, and reaching our world. We'd love to have you join us next Sunday. You can learn more about our mission at reachcommunitychurch.com. Good morning. Uh, my name is Heath. I'm the lead pastor here at Reach. Um, if you've not been at Reach before, for the most part, other than in two weeks, we're actually not doing this. We're going to, in two weeks, starting on Father's Day, which is the 18th, we're going to be, I'm going to be preaching through the book of James. So in preparation, you can be reading James. Uh, we're going to spend eight weeks going through verse by verse through that. Uh, but typically, when we're not doing that, I'm preaching something out of the one-year Bible um, that you read this week. I'm actually cheating, and I'm preaching something that you read last week, but it's connected to what I preached last Sunday out of um, the four, um, chapter 14. We're going to be in chapter 17 today. Uh, if you're like, what is the one-year Bible? We actually have free ones on the guest services table, so if you are like one of those, just grab one on your way out. Uh, our policy is when that's empty, I'll order more. Uh, it is a great investment that we'd love to make into you. And, and what what is a one-year Bible? It's basically the Bible split up in daily readings. So you turn to today's date, and you'll get a little bit of the Old Testament. Uh, you'll get a little bit of the New Testament, and you'll get a Psalm and Proverb. And in the year, you'll read the entire Old Testament, the entire New Testament. And I think Psalms um, at least twice, in Proverbs, maybe three times. Um, so we'd love for you to have one of those just because primarily um, we as a church are reading that. And so you could be reading that with us. So today, I want to talk about this idea of someone believing in you. <clears throat> have you ever had that? You ever had uh, the reality of someone with influence? Because you can have someone that believes in you that you're like, okay, great, thanks, appreciate it. Guy just met Walmart, believes in me, like, yay. Um, but when someone of influence or power in your life believes in you, it, it, it does something in you. Like if you have someone look you in the face that knows you and speaks that over you, like it, it just it, it builds you up um, before I came here, I was a youth pastor uh, for nine years at a church in Southern Ponds, um, and I, you know, I was mildly successful in youth ministry. Um, we had a pretty good size group, and I, I struggled even with a pretty good size youth group of going, am I doing a good job? Like, is this, you know, is this working? Am I, am I doing anything in the kingdom? And, you know, with always doubt on my ability, and uh, we had a uh, our church celebrated an anniversary. It was probably maybe our 20-year anniversary, and so we had a guest speaker come in from our parent church, a, a church in Fayetteville, North Carolina, um, and it was on Sunday night, the celebration, which I was mad. I did not like anything to interrupt youth group because that was the one time a week that I, I got you know our kids, and I wanted to be with them, and I didn't like participating in other things, not rebellion, just you know, I love my children or my kids. And um, so we, we, as a group, we met up in the youth area and we came down into the church um, and there was like 120 kids that were there that night. And so we rolled into the worship center and took up like a whole section. And the guy who was speaking there, they were at a much larger church than ours. And he was like, 
what's like, who are all these people coming in at one time? And at the end of the service, he came over to me, man, it, I, like I was, I was, I was, I was like, Woo-hoo! he came over to me and he was like, you know what? I just want to say you, you have the best youth group in our network of churches, like right now. He's like, but we're coming for you. <laughs> like we're, we're, we're not, we're not taking this. Like we're changing things. Like I, it, just those words of going, Hey, you're doing a good job from someone of authority, of notability, it just like, man, I was like, <laughs> yes, I am. I, not in a kind, like, I was just like, because I didn't feel it before, but his words made me, like, feel like, man. And I think the reality of that is, if we have those people in our lives speaking that into us, it changes us. And this is not the message where you're looking at your spouse going, why aren't you that person? Is not that message, not that message. But it, it changes. Like so, if encouragement from a flawed person, which is everybody in this room, or everybody in this world, could do that much for us, imagine what the words and prayers of Jesus could do if we believe them. Which is what we're getting into today. Today we're going to be in the 17th chapter of John, looking at the high priestly prayer. So remember last week we talked about this reality of what do we do with our troubled hearts and, and Jesus gives them encouragement. I'm getting ready to go. He gives them the things that they need to make it through. And so he keeps teaching them. Verse 15, I mean, chapter 15, chapter 16, chapter 17, he closes this out. This is, he's literally getting ready to be arrested. He's literally getting ready to go to the cross, die, and their hopes and dreams are going to be diminished for those three days until he comes out of the grave. And he prays for them. And so what we're going to do, I think there's 25 verses that we're going to go through. We're going to go through all of the verses uh, in this prayer and talk about the reality of what it means for us. But before we do that, let's pray. Father, uh, it is uh, by your grace that we right now um, are getting ready to hear your words. Um, Lord, I thank you that you recorded um, your words to us. I thank you that we have this prayer of Jesus, that he prays for his disciples and that he prays for us. And Lord, I pray that we would believe more about his capacity to change us and to use us even in our weakness, even in our flaws and our failures. So Lord, Give us ears to hear today. Give us ears to believe the reality of what you, what you speak comes into existence. And so, Lord, where we struggle uh, with that reality, Lord, I pray that you would just wash over us with a belief of your words and the power to sanctify us, the power to raise us up. So, Lord, thank you. Uh, for your words for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. So let me give you a a little rundown into um, 14, 15, and 16. So um, 14, last week we talked about that. And he he says these words that I, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is telling them your hope and your potential is going to be rooted in me. And then he also talks about, in the end of 14, the promise of the Holy Spirit, which is important. We'll talk about that a little bit today. 
Then we get into chapter 15 and we get this analogy that we'll talk about also where he talks about the vine and the branches. And, and, and this is the picture of what this prayer is talking about. Because what you'll hear over and over and over and over in this prayer is this idea of oneness. Oneness with the Father. Oneness with the Father. And in 15, you see the picture of that. It's this connection. We are the branches connected to the vine. If we're not connected to the vine, we're going to be unfruitful. And if we are connected to the, to the vine, hear this. He's going to prune you to make you more effective in his kingdom. Who likes pruning? No one. Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. No one's like, hey, God, I feel like I've gotten a little leafy and I need some pruning. (laughs) That leafy and that other stuff is usually sin and other things in our life that God's going, hey, this is destructive. This is hurting you. And so he's going to do his means and his methods. And I don't mean he's going to be mean. He's going to use his way to prune us so that he can make us as fruitful as possible, which is what we want. No one wants to get to the end of this journey on this world and go, I could have done more. Not recommending if you haven't seen it necessarily, because it's the most sad movie I think I've ever seen. But uh, Shaw, uh, not Shaw, that is a good movie. Um, but Schindler's List. And it ends with this reality, the guy's being taken away and he has rescued uh, one Jew after another just to keep them alive during this. And as they're taking him off, so he doesn't get arrested, he's saying, I could have, I could have saved more. I could have saved more. I have like a gold feeling. He was like literally going, I could have pulled out a tooth and saved someone else. See, no one wants to get to the end of their journey, to the end of their life and going, man, I, I held back. Because all the stuff that right now we're fighting to collect is going to mean nothing. Nothing. No one's going to heaven with a U-Haul and, bring, and showing all their friends, look at all this stuff that I collected on earth. The only thing that we're going to have that has any meaning or value are things that we did in the kingdom. Things that we did for God. And then we get into chapter 16, and Jesus tells us it is to our advantage, their advantage, um, that he goes away so that he can send the Holy Spirit. And I talked about this last week, the reality, like, I remember growing up early in my faith of thinking, man, if I had Jesus with me, if he was walking alongside me, like, I would be a better person. I mean, we see with the disciples, like Jesus was right there with them, and they did dumb things. They failed and flopped and cut off people's ears. And Jesus is saying, it'll be better that I'm not with you, because if I go away, I'm going to send the helper. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And the reason why this prayer has authority today and has power today is because we have the access to that source, that helper, the counselor, the Holy Spirit. We have access to something inside of us if we are a child of God that empowers us to do the things that we should be doing. And then it says at the last verse in chapter 16, he says, in the world you will have tribulation. Hear that. For all the people that have bit into the lie of the health, wealth and prosperity gospel. That if you believe Jesus, and this only works in the U.S., 
if you believe Jesus, he'll, he'll, he'll fatten your wallets and he'll give lots of money in your bank account and he'll give you properties and things and it'll be easy. Lie. Now he may, he may give you those things, but he, hear me, he gives you those things so that you can benefit the kingdom, that you can do things with them. He says, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And so we pick this up in chapter 17, verse 1. And there's 26 verses. Uh, they'll be on the screen right there. Uh, if you want to read along, I encourage you, if you didn't bring it, um, you should bring your Bibles. That way you can make marks so that you can go back later and be like, oh, yes, this is what we talked about. Uh, so verse 1, it says, when Jesus had spoken these words, remember, take heart. Uh, there will be tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. When he has spoken these words and, and all the other teachings that are in 14, 15, and 16, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you. Since you have given him authority over all flesh to give him to give eternal life to all those whom he has given, if you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. (laughs) There is so much going on, so much going on here. See, all the other occasions that uh, the Jewish people or the Jewish rulers were like, we got to get rid of this guy where he speaks something that they're like, nope, blasphemy, heresy. When they pick up stones and they try to take him out to the cliff and throw him over. What does he say? It's not my time. It's not my time. That no one is going to push Jesus to make that his moment. Nothing was going to keep him from the cross. And he was like, hey, you're not going to do that. You're not going to do that. But when it was his time, so Jesus is lifting up his voice to the Father saying, it's time. It's time not only that I would be glorified, but that you would be glorified. And he says that you'll give me back the glory that I had from the beginning of time. And I don't have time to get into this, and this is like, this is a deep well um, of what was the reality of Jesus incarnate being here in the flesh, on this world, living his life. So he is fully God and fully man. What, what, what is that reality? Well, part of his glory, part of who he was, he set aside during these moments to come here and live a life for us to demonstrate what it means for us to live wholly committed to God. But that's coming to an end. See, he came to give eternal life to all those that he had given the Son. See, he's saying, what is eternal life? Eternal life is believing in the one true God and the Son that he sent, me. When Jesus says what we talked about last week in John 15 or 14, that I am the way, the truth, and life, this is what he's talking about. This is eternal life, that they would believe in him. Another key part in this portion is that he's accomplished everything the Father had given him. 
Everything that God had asked him to do, Jesus had done completely. Verse 6 says, I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. They, yours they were, and you gave them to me. And I have kept them in your word. Now know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you and that they have believed that you have sent me. See, the disciples are finally starting to get it. You know, they've seen his miraculous things where he's calmed the storm and they're like, oh, my gosh, who in the world is this? He's teaching them. He's telling them all these things. And they're finally starting putting together all of these pieces of who Jesus actually is. Remember, Jesus in 14, he says, if you've seen and heard me, you've seen and heard the father. He's done all of those things. Verse nine says, I'm praying for them and I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me for they are yours. See, this prayer is just not a generic prayer that he just lays out for everyone in the world. He's laying this out for those who will believe in him. And he's still praying for his children. Hebrews 7 verse 25 says, Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercessions for them. I mean, imagine the reality um, that not only did we have a God that demonstrated his love for us by putting on flesh and coming living a earthly (laughs) bound life and doing all the things that we have to do here. And he lived the life that we were incapable of living that drove him to the cross because he had to die on the cross so that we would finally experience freedom. Verse 10 says, all mine are yours and yours are mine. And I have glory and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. And I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me that they may be one, even as we are one. See, this is big. This word keep. See, remember the vine in chapter 15. Think abide when you hear the word keep connected to the vine. We will be healthy and fruitful. He's doing this. This is the work that he's doing. See, how strong is the possibility of this thing happening? Because he's praying these things for his children, his disciples now. And we're going to get into in just a few more verses the reality that he's literally making a prayer for us, his future children. Philippians 1.6 says, I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring to completion At the day of Jesus Christ. If you want to hear an encouraging word that if you could actually believe it and live in it, it would change your life. Hear this out of that verse that I just read. 
If God began a work in you, if there, there was a moment in your life that you, you finally surrendered and say, hey, God, I, I, w- I want to be yours. And he started something in you. Could you imagine living with the reality that what he began in you, he will bring to completion? That even now in what could be a seemingly chaos, God could be working things to his end and his glory. What, what if even in the moment where things aren't looking the way that we want them to look, we believe that what he began, I, I don't, not to be weird up here, but there's lots of times in my life that I'm like, God, like really? Like why, why this? And like things aren't going well. You know, I told you earlier about being a youth pastor and feeling like I was a failure, even though in, in, the, in the worldly sense I look like a success. But this way of just feeling like, oh, I'm not good enough. I'm not measuring up. I, I could do this better. You know, how many times that I've come to a place where I finally am going, God, I actually kind of try to live in this place. I'm going, God, I'm your mess. And whatever you're doing right now, you're doing for me so that I would glorify you in my life. And those moments where I actually go, God, you are greater than anything that's up against me. And if I could just trust and live in you, then I could make it through the day. The biggest trouble that we get into is we start looking at our life and all the things that we know that we should be changing, all the things that we know we should be working on, and we just get overwhelmed. We're like, there's no, I, have, I don't have the capacity. If we were all honest and... We're sitting around a big round table and we just threw all the stuff up on the table so everybody could see it of things that we are incapable of fixing in our life. I think, for one, everybody would be shocked (laughs) that other people were throwing stuff on the table. Because most of the time you feel like you're the only one that has stuff that isn't going right. And that you look around these smiling faces and people coming in here and you're like, man, they got it so easy. They don't have anything to complain about. Like their life is just great. You know, maybe your thing is like, I'm struggling financially. Like, well, they got lots of money. Or maybe your marriage is struggling. They look like they're having a great, you know, time together. The reality is, is most of us are hiding from each other what's actually going on in our life. And that if we would be honest with a specific group of people, there would be transformation. Because if we threw everything on the table and then we could look across the table at people in their, eye, in their face, look at them eye to eye and say, I see. But you know what? Because we, we need this. We need to have people in our lives to look across the table and say, in spite of this, God still loves you. In spite of this, God is still working out his will and his purpose. And if you would surrender this thing to him and leave it on the table, he would change it. The problem is, and this is our culture, and this is something that uh, as a church we need to hear over and over again. God's method of transformation sometimes is instantaneous. But most of the time, it is a process. And most of the time, it is a longer process than we ever imagined that it would be. Some of us sitting in this room, if you were to stand up and give testimony, um, you would say there are things that for t- 
10, 20, 30 years you've prayed for and asked for, and there are seasons that it finally come to be. And if you're, if you're thinking to yourself like, oh, that's not how God works, read the Bible. Abraham, 25 years. You're going to have a son. He was already an old man. And he took things into his hands in the middle, and that didn't work out very well. Um, just read the story. I don't have time. Um, and, you know, Joseph, he has dreams from God. You're going to be great. Your family, your brothers, are, your older brothers are going to bow down to you. And your mom and dad are going to bow down to you. 17 years. 17 years. And that 17 years wasn't cake and pie. That 17 years was, I don't know about, I, I've never, I mean, I've fought with my brothers, but I've never had my brothers openly say, we're going to kill this guy. Like, we're just done with him. Like, we're just going to, we're just going to kill him. Let's throw him in the pit, figure out how we're going to kill him. They're already telling, hey, we're going to take his coat. We're going to, you know, throw some blood on it and take it to dad. He's gone. Like, they had already, and they're together. There was one brother, I think it was Reuben, was like, hey, yeah, yeah, let's put him in the pit. He's thinking of rescuing him. And then he gets, he gets sold into slavery. He does an excellent job, gets accused of something that he didn't do, gets thrown into jail. And I'm sure in jail, see, some of us are like, we're two weeks into something we're praying God for, and we're like, why, God? Joseph, lots of time in jail, lots of time in jail. And then he, he interprets dreams for somebody. And he said, just remember me, just remember me. They were, they were close to the Pharaoh. Just remember me and, 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 you know, just kind of get a, put a good word in and maybe I'll get out. And what did they do? They forgot about him for years, years. And here, here's the story with Joseph that I love. At any point, if Joseph would have been allowed to get off this <laughs> suffering bus, he wouldn't have been there the moment that God needed him to be there. So that he could save his whole family and save the generation. The reason why Jesus was born when he was born is because Joseph sacrificed his life to keep the line of Christ alive. Crazy. Verse 12. While I was this with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction. That the scripture might be fulfilled. Okay, this is talking about Judas. He's saying, all the ones that you gave me, I have kept. And you're like, well, what about Jesus? Judas? And, and it, this is a, um, for those that, and I'm not getting into election and all these other things, but like this, this is rich with, hey, God is very sovereign. God is working out his purpose and doing his thing. And he's saying all the 11, and this should build you with encouragement, all the ones that you gave me, I've kept. Except the one that was never with us to begin with. The betrayer that was going to do that themselves. He's like, and, and the reason why, and I love this, why did it happen? It happened just as the Bible predicted it to happen. So this wasn't a shocker that was going on. Verse 13, it says, but now I am coming to you. He's saying, Jesus saying, I'm coming to the Father. And these things I speak to the world that they may have joy filled in themselves. 
Remember, this is still a traumatic experience for them. Jesus is saying, hey, I'm leaving. And he's saying these words so that it would be filled with joy. 14 it says, I have given them your word. And the, I've given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. How many people would just be like, hey, I'd love to meet Jesus. And would you just take me out of this world and put me in a different one? And for all those that are like waiting for that other place, he's not going to take you there at this moment. He has a purpose for you. He's saying, I'm not going to take them. I don't pray to take them out of the world. I pray that you would protect them from the evil one. And we talk about this on the regular basis. (laughs) There is a reality that is going on in our world that is against the things of God. Fighting against us. Verse 16, they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in your truth. Your your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in the truth. See, Jesus in the person guarded them while he was there on earth. And he's telling him that's not going to end. I'm going to send the helper who's going to continue that work. See, God's goal isn't just to get you out of the world. His goal is to make you kingdom fruitful in it. And this idea of sanctifying them in the truth, this is the process of becoming more and more like Jesus. This is why we talk about reading the word. This is why we encourage you to be in the Bible. The truth of the word of God is what sanctifies us, become, makes us, or not makes us, helps us become more and more like Christ. Since sanctify them in the truth. Verse 20. This is where he's, he's talking about us. So he's been talking about his disciples, which if you're a disciple, it's still written towards you. But this is written specifically for us. Verse 20. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That they may all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That you may also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them. That they may be one even as I as we are one, I and them and you and me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love me, even as you love them, even as you love me. Unity is important. It doesn't mean <clears throat> here that he's talking about like all these churches should be one identical entity. But it does mean that we should be all in one family, existing under this one purpose that God has called. 24, it says, Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am. 
to see my glory that you have given me because you love me before the foundation of the world. O righteous father, even though the world does not know you, I know you and these know that you have sent me. I have made known to them your name and will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. See, he's saying to us, I am for you. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to sanctify you. I'm going to I'm going to make you into what I desire. See, in these chapters, we do not hear Jesus advocating a withdrawal. He calls us to involvement. The Christian does not experience Christ by removing himself from the world. We experience Christ in the world, though we are distinctly not of the world. So how do we do that? How do we live in a place like here is Jesus this is the last kind of teaching that he gives his disciples before he goes to the cross. So how do we live in this place of going, this is where I am. This, this is, I'm here. None of us are going to be taken off this place until God's done with us. And, and what do we do in these moments of going, God, I, I want to be all that you intended me to be. But I'm constantly confronted by my own sin nature. I've heard this said and I've lived this existence. If you want to realize how sinful and self-centered you are, get married. You're like, no, no, no I'm a good person. I'm, I am nice, considerate, kind. And then you get married and you're like, oh my gosh, I have lots of things to work on. And then God was like, hey, let's do you one more. If you want to figure out how ultimately selfish and self-centered and sinful you are, have children. Everybody's like, oh, it'll be great. It is great because God uses them as tools to your sanctification. He has used my children, which none of them are in this room right now. He has used them to point out my flaws to see my inconsistencies so that God would shape me. Because I think when we live in our own bubble and we don't allow God to shape us by the, 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 the people that we're around. And here's the hard part of church is that we're all complicated individuals that are here. But we need each other. To be able to speak into our life and, and to say things that need to be said. This is why we talk about all the time in here that you need community. Why you, uh, we have lists in the back that you can sign up and get connected to people through this summer um, to know people. Because you need people around you. Because you will lie to yourself more than anyone else in your life. You will, you will say, no, it's not that bad. I'm doing pretty good. Even though when your wife is saying, no, that is not true. Even when things that are going on, you're like, no, that's not right. Um, I'm good. Even when you're confronted over and over again by inconsistencies that you have with your, your children. Um, I'm actually going to miss them being in my house. We have one that's out another year. We'll have another one that's out. Um, because it's how God tests. Because sometimes I feel like, man, I'm doing pretty good. 
And God gives us these opportunities to show us that there's still work to be done. And I believe he does that to show us how helpless that we are. I think this is part of this prayer. He wants, you, he wants us to be one with one another and one with him. Because in that oneness, we're fruitful. But that oneness is not easy. That oneness shows how absolutely helpless we are and how much we need Jesus over and over again. See, this is what the Father through the Son has given us. This is what we've just gone through in this text. Through the Son, we have the option of eternal life. And the Son gave us the, fa- gave us the Father's words, and through the words, He sanctifies us in that truth. And in that truth, and in that sanctification, we get to experience the glory that God the Father put on the Son and Jesus gives to us. And He'll keep us from the evil one. Like, can you imagine... If he could just walk out of this room knowing that he that is in us is greater than he that is in the world. Like he has the capacity to free you from all the destructive things in your life. He has that capacity right now. To keep us from the, the evil one. And as he does all these things into a, in us and through us, he'll make us one. He'll build unity in our lives. I'm going to invite our worship team to come back up here. Um, we get to do communion with our worship team because they're going to be leading while you're taking communion uh, before service. And I said something similar to this. Most of us would go, yeah, man, I know God is big. I know he's got this. And then we'll walk out of this door and forget to live like that's a reality. We'll walk out the door and go, I don't know if y'all have experienced this, but like in here, there's a there's a hope that sometimes in this room that you're just like, yeah, I feel it. I feel it like something's going to happen. <laughs> but something happens when you walk out these two doors. You're like the reality hits you in the face. You're you know, the, there's an argument in the car on the way home. Your kid throws up in the back seat. He throws spills his drink all over whatever. There's just things that come tomorrow work. Tomorrow, boss this. Tomorrow, there's just things that are going to happen. See, the reality of it is, is God wants us to live in that place of hope. Because the hope doesn't come from you. This is why we take communion. The hope doesn't come from us. The hope doesn't come from today, you deciding you're going to be a good person. And you're going to do the right thing. The hope comes from the reality that God... Christ has made a way for you to be changed. And so today, Christ, um, in this, right after this, or, or during this meeting, during these conversations we're having, he, he did this, even before they fully understood what was going on. 
He said, this is, he took bread and he broke it in half. And he says, this is my body that I've broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then he passed around um, the wine, the juice. And he said, this is my blood that's been poured out for the forgiveness of sins. And, and this, the cross hadn't even happened. He said, do this in remembrance of me. And I'm sure while they're doing it, they're like, yes, everything else he's done you know, like it just felt like, yes, this is this is Jesus saying these things. Let's do it. After the fact, we get to remember where your hope of being who God's designed you to be is in this. And I don't mean these specific elements, but in the sacrifice that we're celebrating. And if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, let this remind you of what he's done for you. Let this remind you of who you are in him. This is where your power comes from. You want to overcome, you want to break addiction, you want to um, be a better husband or better father or better employee. You just want to be a better person. It's going to come from you surrendering to the reality that you couldn't fix or change yourself, but Jesus could. Here's where oneness begins. When you acknowledge that you could not, but he can. So I'm going to pray for us. Um, take as much time as you want to prepare to take the elements when you're ready. We're going to have a full worship song here. So you got a little bit of time. I would encourage you not to just jump into it. If confession needs to happen, you're like, man, I'm not even worthy of these. Maybe there's things in your life that you're like, here's the beauty. Just confess those things. Just say, lay them at God's feet and say, God, I'm a mess, but I need you. And say, I'm going to trust and believe in your finished work on the cross. So let's pray. Father, you know where people are imprisoned. You know where the evil one is whispering lies into their ears. You know where our brokenness is ruining our life and our relationship. You know all the hidden things that no one else knows. And you still are waiting at the road for us like the prodigal God story or prodigal son story. You're waiting for the son to return. Still smelling like pig slop. And you're ready to open your arms and embrace them and clothe them with your righteousness. So, Lord, I, I, I speak freedom for us. Lord, let us understand the reality that this prayer, though written thousands of years ago, still has power. Lord, you, you lose none that the Father gave you. And Lord, if we're yours, Lord, I pray that you would fill us with a confidence that in spite of what it seems like today, you have purpose for me. And so Lord, be glorified as we worship you in this closing song. Be glorified as we surrender to you by taking communion, acknowledging that you are our Savior and that your blood has power. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us today on the Reach Community Church Podcast. 
We'd love to have you join us next Sunday. You can learn more about our mission at reachcommunitychurch.com.